This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Well, first, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys, we so appreciate you. You make the show possible and we're so thankful. Thank you. And thanks so much to our September sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. Not only is Wendy a writer, she also produces a weekly short inspirational podcast called Walking With Hope for HopeStreamRadio.com. Check it out. And on a personal note, if you guys would please keep the West, the Northwest in particular, and even, yes, California in your prayers, we've got heat advisories, fire advisories. This is the first week of September, so be praying for us and praying for God's hand of mercy so that we don't lose more towns and more lives, and pray for the wildland firefighters. Thanks so much. And And now, here's the show. Welcome, listeners. We are so glad that you have chosen to be here with us in the deep. And on our last podcast, we talked about insecurity and validation and the dangers of seeking validation. And do go back and listen to that. If you haven't, it's episode 124. We'll put a link in the show notes. We wanted to follow that up with one of the most important things a writer needs to know. It's the secret to helping you overcome painful negative experiences and emotions, and it's the secret to serving others well in your writing. I believe, truly, if every Christian in the whole wide world were fully convinced of the truth, not partially convinced, fully convinced of the truth of this one important fact, they would live with infinitely more power, more purpose, more freedom, and that would carry over into their writing life. So what is this fact? Well, it's something we all say we believe. Those of us who accept Christ as our Savior and believe in God, we say we believe this fact. And sometimes we even do believe it, kind of. But we don't believe it to the extent that we could or maybe even should. So are you wondering what it is? You can find the secret because it's not really a secret. Right. In Ephesians three seventeen through 19, it's in a prayer the Apostle Paul prays for believers. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Again, that's Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Right, and here's what I like about this prayer. It has a very important component. It's a so that. It's an expected result. It's an effect. Paul wants believers to know the breadth and depth of God's love for them to fully, fully take it in and understand it so that something else will happen. And it's this. It's so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, what does that mean? How does being filled with all the fullness of God affect us as writers? That's what we're going to talk about today. So to start, let's cover some important aspects of God's love for us. One, 
It's not based on us. That is good news. It's not based on what we do or don't do. It's not based on our goodness, thank heaven, or on our worthiness. Double thank heaven. God gives us our value and our worth because he loves us. It all starts with God, who he is, what kind of character he has. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. That's part of the definition of his character. It's more than something he chooses to do. It's something he, by definition, Right. I had a friend once who tried to tell me that God couldn't possibly love her because she was too damaged and she felt too unlovable. And the problem was is that she was telling God that God isn't who he says he is. And we don't get that luxury. I mean, we don't get to define God however we want. If he says he's love, then he is. And nothing we choose to believe can change the reality of who God is. So the next aspect about God's love is that it is unfailing and unending. It endures forever. There are numerous places in the Bible that talk about this, but one of the clearest is Psalm 136. It talks about all the things that God has done for Israel, and then every verse has this refrain. His steadfast love endures forever. And it goes on, okay, for like 26 verses, and it's like God is saying, do you understand? Do you really see it? I think it's so easy for us to look at the circumstances in our life and feel like God has failed us or that he doesn't care. But again, that is us redefining God's character. And we aren't allowed to do that. He is love and it's unfailing and unending. So the third aspect is that nothing can separate us from God's love. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 35-39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How comforting is that? Right. And one more important aspect of God's love. He fully completely, totally, thoroughly knows you. He knows every single detailed thought, action, idea, hope, dream, failure, sin, anger, hate, folly, evil, everything that you've done, everything you've thought about or even wanted to do. He knows who you are deep down. And get this, he still loves you. In other words, guys, you are fully known and yet still fully loved. Psalm 139, 1 through 4, 13 and 16 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Think about that for a minute. God is familiar with all your ways, whatever they are, good, bad, different, ugly, He's familiar with them. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
Friends, we live in a curated world these days where you can project whatever image you want to on social media or when you're in public, and most of the world will never know the difference. But God knows. We can't curate ourselves in God's eyes. He sees it all. He sees us all, and he still loves us. Right. I love that. So, guys, how does knowing and fully believing God's love for us is real, is not dependent on us, is unshakable, never-ending, has nothing that can ever separate us from it, and that it's the kind of love that fully knows and still fully loves us, how does that help us as writers? Well, first, I think that when we are truly secure in God's love for us, we're secure in our value and identity, and we have nothing to prove and nothing to lose. That frees us to be the writers God made us to be without fear. So, for example, deep down, would it matter if people rejected me because I wrote God's truth about something and they didn't want to hear it? Okay, it might hurt. I won't deny that, okay? Rejection hurts. But God's love is more satisfying than the love of people. That's how he created us. He created us to long for his love and to be fully satisfied in him. So at the end of the day, I can trust God to heal my emotions, and I can dwell on the joy that His love for me brings. Or, I mean, what about sales? Would it really matter if my book didn't sell a bunch of copies? No, not deep down, because no matter what, God loves me, no matter how many copies get sold. He gives me value. He gives us all value, no matter what. And it's helpful, too, to remember the number of books that sell that's in God's hands. It's not in yours. He knows how many books he wants to sell. You need to leave that with him and let it be him who determines it and rest in his love. Right. Another point is what about disappointments that are inevitable on our writing journey? You know darn well when you start on this path to write for him, there are going to be disappointments. It's never going to be a straight line from point A to point B, and it's never going to be easy. Well, I won't say never. But it's not easy near as often as we want it to be. Right. Whatever comes our way, there's a security in knowing that nothing can separate you from God's love. No canceled contract, no troll reviewer, no terrible edit, no crushing response from an agent or editor or critique group, no sickness, no calamity, no, 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 nothing can separate us. He's not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you because he loves you. His love is always always rock solid. And because he loves us, he uses these trials for our good and for his glory. So we're not saying this is easy, but we are saying this is what God wants for us. He doesn't want us dwelling on, quote, what can man do to us, unquote, but on how God is always for us. I mean, Psalm 118.6 says it great. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So the second thing that the security from God's love for us can do to help us is that it helps us be authentic, not just in our writing, but in our lives. I think as humans, there's always a part of us that wants to protect ourselves, that wants to curate what the world sees. But our security in God's love helps us learn over time, this is not immediate, 
learn to live more authentically, which gives others the freedom to do the same as they see our authenticity. Also, I think it can help in imposter syndrome. We see through the lies of that because we're always doing our best to project our authentic selves. It's not like we're going to have to fear some kind of unmasking. God's love for us can make us secure. And when we're truly secure in God's love, we can love others freely. First John 4.19 tells us we love because he first loved us. So here's the deal. We actually can't manufacture the kind of love God wants us to have for others. We're, we're just not capable. We don't have that capacity. And compared to God's love, human love is pathetic and weak. But what we can do is be a conduit of God's love. We can let God's love in us supernaturally overflow to others. But that starts with our awareness of the love of God for us. And the more we're aware and the more fully we embrace it, the more it simply overflows in us because it's God's love, not ours. It's Christ in us loving others. Right. And when we're secure in God's love for us, we can serve others with our whole heart without expecting anything in return. Because God loves us, He's going to satisfy us with that joy that comes in Himself from His Holy Spirit. He's the one who's going to refill us. He's the one who's going to reward us. Most people are never going to see the blood and sweat and hair pulling out that you put into your writing and all the things you do behind the scenes. But guess what? Your Heavenly Father does. Matthew 6 tells us how God sees what we do, and He rewards us. He lays up treasures for us in heaven that can never be taken away. So these were just some of what it means to be filled to the fullness of God. He overflows in us, and we're more and more conformed to the image of God. But again, it all starts with our deep, unwavering belief in God's love for us. We want to take some time now to just kind of soak in Scripture, to soak in God's love letters to us. We're His beloved children, and He gave these truths to us to hold on to. So listen to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. But right now, don't think of this as how we should love others, but how God perfectly loves you. We've, we've changed the words a little to help you get the idea. So here it is. God's love for you is patient. His love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor you. It is not self-seeking. God's love for you is not easily angered. It keeps no record of your wrongs. His love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. His love for you is always protective, always trusting, always hopeful, always persevering. God's love for you never fails. Right. We're going to read some other verses as well, and we just encourage you, listen with your heart. Just close your eyes if you're not driving. <laughs> close <laughs> your eyes and soak. Exodus fifteen thirteen, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. Psalm 125, 9. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 14711, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Romans 5, 2 through 5, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 1.3-6, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 5, 1-2 Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5 May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. 1 John 4, 8 through 10. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Revelation 1, 5-6 To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve His God and Father, to Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So guys, what are we saying? God loves you. But don't hear that the way that we often do with just that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah inside. God loves you. Listen to me. God loves you. And that love is beyond anything you can imagine. And it's not because you deserve it. It's not because of your worth. It's nothing you earned. It's yours because he is love. And if you can embrace that, if you can accept that and live in it, imagine, imagine the glory that will take place in your life, the example you will be to others, and the wonderful brilliance that will shine through you. Embrace his love. 
understand his love and live in his love. It's the best place to be. And now Isaiah 54:10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.